Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3 today, but before we get there, uh, there was a sick man. He went to the doctor's office with his wife, and the, the doctor examined the man and ran some tests while his wife waited in the reception area. And Well, when the doctor emerged with a concerned look on his face, the wife became anxious. Doctor, will my, will my husband be okay, she inquired. Well, I'm afraid your husband is very ill, he replied. He's got a rare form of anemia, and if it's, if it's left untreated, he will most certainly die from it. However, there is a cure. He's like, there's a cure? What is it? So, all right, so with rest and proper, proper nutrition, the disease will go into remission, and your husband should live for many more years. Here's what I want you to do. Take your husband home and treat him like a king. Fix him three home-cooked meals a day and wait on him hand and foot. Bring him breakfast in bed. Don't let him do anything that you can do for Don't let him do anything that you can do for him. If he needs something, you take care of it. Give him a back rub in the morning and a full body massage every evening. Oh, and one more thing. Because his immune system is weak, you'll need to keep your home spotless at all times. Do you have any questions? The wife had none. Well, do you want me to break the news to your husband, or, or shall I? Do you want to break the news? And, and the wife replied, I, I'll do it. So she walked into the examination room, and the husband, sensing something was wrong, said, it's bad, isn't it? What have I got? And his wife answered with a tear in her eye. The doctor said, you're going to die. <laughs> Many of you saw that coming, uh, a fair... The relationship between uh, the husband and wife, uh, sometimes it's glorious and great, and sometimes it's difficult and contentious. And sometimes you wonder, is it worth all of this? This is part of our life, though. And those of us who are married and have uh, a spouse, how do we live this out? We've been looking at Peter's letter to churches in the area which we now know as Turkey, and, and he's speaking to them about the living hope that they have in Jesus and how this living hope in Jesus is something that, that directs everything that they do. So when they endure some of the suffering that they've had already because of persecution, they can do that through the power that they've received because of their relationship with God through Jesus Christ. They can endure that. And in chapter 2, he begins speaking of some ways to practically live this out. And the first thing he addresses is the government. And he says to them, respect the authority of the government, of the emperor in particular, or of his governor, and live such good lives as citizens in front of them that even if they accuse you, they have no basis of it because of the character of your lives. And, and then he addresses the slave-master relationship. Many of the people in the church would have been slaves owned by someone. And, and his, his directions to them are live well and serve well your masters, even the harsh ones, not just the good ones. 
demonstrate in your life a character that, that, that follows through on everything so that they can look at you and see the work of the Lord Jesus in you. And for each of these things, his direction and his purpose is submit to these things even while we understand that we're followers of the Lord Jesus. And everything we do in our life is a description of how Jesus makes an impact on us. And so a very practical thing for people to deal with would also be, well, the marriage relationship. And he addresses that as well in in chapter 3. And so moving on from those other recommendations and directions of how to live, he says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over by they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate ha- hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your lives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And so there's some directions for wives and husbands. And uh, we look at these words, well, not with eyes of, of understanding the, the culture within now, that, that sometimes people will look at words like this and, and kind of cringe at that. Wives submit to your husbands uh, is not the call of uh, the modern women's rights movement. And when we approach things like this, these are some of the passages like, well, okay, can we just skip over that? So maybe is, is there some way that we can circumvent this so I don't have to deal with this? And we don't have to say these things, which are, again, uncomfortable to say. I, I think instructive is, as we look at this is, is, first of all, that each of these, these directions, first to the wives and then to the husbands, begins with a phrase in the same way. Wives in the same way do this, and husbands in the same way. So that creates a question, in what way? In the same what way? What are you talking about? Obviously, it's referring to something he's already talked about within this book and, and, or in, the, in this letter. And so what is it he's referring to? And I think it certainly goes back to the things he's talking about as we deal with government authorities, as we deal with master-slave relationships that in the same way that you respect and you submit in those relationships, do so within your, within your spousal relationships. That there's something bigger and larger than merely just the relationship between the two of you. And I think taken in that context, that there's something larger for us, it at least permits us to be able to start grasping it. But I think there's something important for us to remember in this, too, is that when we read these things, uh, there's something that's addressed to wives. And if you are a wife, you should take a look at that and think about that. 
If you are a husband, it's not talking to you. There is a portion that speaks to the husband. And the husband, you should look at that portion. Um, A a little while ago, I I mentioned two ways of using the Bible. Um, One is to use the Bible as a binocular. And we can take the Bible and, and, and I can look right into Andy's soul and see, oh, man, according to this dude. Or over there at Janet, Phil's hiding. He's like, he doesn't want. So that's one way we can use the Bible. Say, well, see, look at all these people are not living according to this. But when the Bible describes itself, particularly in, in James, it describes it instead as a mirror. And the mirror allows me to look at myself and say, whoa. Oh, I got some hair standing up. But we use scripture to look at our own souls and our own hearts and say, what is God saying to me in this? And I think that's a starting point because uh, the, the intention of, of, of the discussion for the women is, uh, for the wives is not for the husband to say, see, look what you're not doing. These are things that you got to be taken care of. You need to submit to me. If that's your approach, then there's probably something pretty big going on in terms of your being controlling because there's something else for you to look at. In verse 7, when he turns his direction toward the husbands, uh, there's some pointed statements of how they need to be and live in relation to their wife. Well, but it does say some things to the wives, and what does it say about that? It does talk about submitting, and, and, and yet there's a purpose and direction in all of this. First off, it's uh, even for those who may not be married to a Christian, a, a believer, that by living uh, such a life of purity and reverence and, and, and care for your husband, that he who does not believe the word might believe in God without the word. It does a little wordplay there in that phrase without the words telling him this is what you need to do but the character of your life demonstrating who God is and the love and the attention that you have on God impacts your life and your relationship with him and so to live your life in such a way that that demonstrates that kinds of character and, and he brings some distinctions about what's to be important and he begins to speak of some of the outward things we have, we have a word, cosmetics. If you look up the definition of cosmetics, it is, it is stuff on the surface. Uh, comes really from the word cosmos, the order. And, and when someone uses cosmetics, it's to put to order your face and other parts of your body. And he talks about jewelry and all these things that, well, in our society today, they're pretty big things. You can't watch too much television or magazine advertisements and see that there is some kind of appeal to make yourself look as beautiful as possible, to make your body the best it could possibly be. To be attractive is so important, according to the advertisements. Well, such was the deal even in Peter's day. And, and, and his, his direction is, may it be the character of your heart 
the, the beauty that is on your inner side because of your purity, your connection, because of who you are on the inside. May that be the thing that you develop and work on in your life so that when people look at you and your actions, they see someone who's caring, loving, and devoted to their God, but also to their husband and other relationships. Let that be the thing that sings and rings out about you and not those other things. It's not a condemnation or even a repudiation of using those kind of things, but many times those can be the things that are, are central to someone's lives. They've got to have the, the right things on and they have to have the right named clothes on. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with those unless that's your singular attention and focus. Your heart matters. Peter uses Sarah as a reference. Sarah was, was married to Abraham and, and, and called him Lord and, and followed him all over the place. Uh, they, they lived in Ur and God tells him, I want you to move. And so she moves with him and, and, and followed him wherever he went, even went along with some of his uh, sketchy plans to escape uh, getting in trouble with, with different kings. Uh, t- Sarah, just tell them you're my sister, not... Sh- your husband, so they don't kill me to have you as your wife. It's like, okay. <laughs> it happened twice. And, and yet God preserved Sarah through all that. But she, she supported her husband. Now, there were things that she said pretty directly, this is not okay. When, when things happened with Hagar and there was now a child and, and Hagar, the, their maidservant, was, was spitefully looking at her her mistress, that things were going intense. And when, when uh, the new child was born, uh, God said, yeah, you, you, better, you better listen to your wife here. I'll take care of Ishmael, but uh, follow your wife because it's through her the promise is going to come. So Abraham was not a perfect husband, as none of us husbands are. And the call is not to respond to perfection but to respond as a follower of the Lord Jesus no matter what. In your marriage, be a follower of Jesus and love him and fulfill your vows faithfully. Now, what I don't think this means is that uh, you continue to go on and, and, and go along with, with actions and practices that are wrong and bad that put you in, in dangerous trouble, that there's boundaries that you can say, no, this is not okay as the wife, but to do that even with respect and care. Well, that's the call for the wife. The call for the husband, in the same way. Again, bringing us back to the submission to the authority of the government and to to your masters in the same way. Be considerate as you live with your wives. Be compassionate and humble. Uh, In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. One of the contexts we jump into as we look at a letter is, is that it's a different world. That the, the status of women in Peter's world was much different than ours, and, and how women were treated was often different, that, that they were lesser 
in the marriage relationship, that it was the man who controlled everything, who owned the properties, and who made the decisions. And one of the things about the Christian faith was an elevation of the status of women within the community of faith, but also even within the marriage relationship. Because there's a direction here for for the man to be thinking through, to knowing his wife well, well enough so that he can respond to what's going on with her and her life and, and, and take that into account. There's a reference there to because she is the weaker partner. And, and again, here's one of those little cringe-worthy moments. It's like, mm. But what, I, what he's saying here is not weaker intellectually or spiritually, but physically. And, and these are, well, these are things that are just facts on some level. Now, I, and I know some, some women work out great. I, when I was in Arizona this last week, I was going to this, uh, this workout place in the mornings. And, and there were some women that uh, they could probably take me pretty easily. They were very built and strong. And, and, and yet, in general, if you t- take 100 men and 100 women and do a tug of war, the men are going to win this just because we're built differently. And we see how that gets played out in this world. One of the things of the, the Me Too movement has been to, to lay an expose on the fact that many men are using their positions of power as well as their strength and might to subdue women and to make them do things that they shouldn't do. By the force of being bigger and larger, doing things that are not okay. And Peter says, treat them with compassion. Treat them with consideration. Just because you're bigger doesn't mean you always get your way. One of the commentators, as they were reflecting on on, on really what all this means, this idea of submission of the wife and and the consideration of the husband, and, and, and again, binocular versus mirror, I think the thing for us men as we think through our relationships with our wives and, and really in, with other women in general is if you're thinking you need to be treated in a, in a more worthy way, act like you deserve it. Live in such a way that you are demonstrating that that person matters to you, that, that you care about them. That, the, that their interests are important to you. Because I think that strikes exactly what he's saying here. Treat them with respect as a weaker partner. Because just because they're weaker doesn't mean they're lesser in God's economy. Because he goes on to say that they are co-heirs with us in God's kingdom. Women and men together. This, again, this is radical stuff in Peter's day and age, and to us it seems like, that just seems right. And it is right. We're in this together, and we come before the Lord together. And his final direction is this, is so that nothing will hinder your prayers. That, that we work on this relationship we have with our spouses Clearing through conflicts that we have and inevitably we'll have them. Understanding and knowing who they are. 
Because there's this bigger picture of what God is doing in our midst, of what he's using us for and through. If you're having conflicts within the house, it's hard to pray because it just feels so tense and just you're not at ease. Maybe you can pray, Lord, help us, but that's about all. Spending time praying for missionaries or, or the, the ministries of church or the programs, just like, no, Lord, that woman. And, and so to work on that with compassion and care and consideration. And again, for each of us to use the scriptures as a mirror, what do I need to do? What is it that I need to do to live this out? A couple years ago, here's a Betty Lou story. She loves this. We, uh, the kids were out of the house, and, uh, and I was on visitation, and, and this, uh, this couple, I was visiting them and their kids, and they, their dog had just had puppies. And so I just mentioned, yeah, they, they got puppies. And, and she's like, oh, we should get a puppy. So I sat down, and it's like, okay, Betty Lou, the kids are out of the house. This is fantastic. We can go there, there. We don't have to. And a puppy? Are you kidding me? A puppy? And she's like, yeah, you're right. The next day, I got a text message. We need to get that puppy. Well, at that time, and this was about May or June, in, in about March or April of that year, Betty Lou had lost her dad and uh, wasn't grieving. And I realized I am not having a logical conversation here. We are, we're talking about something that's mourning and to find something that brings some, some, some joy and happiness to a heart that was hurting. And so... We got the dog. Uh, ended up being the best dog we had, the, the most obedient, it's the smartest dog we ever had. Uh, I got attached to that dog. But sometimes you do even though you don't want to do. It's like, this is, some, this is the right thing for now. And she needed that dog, that goofy dog. And, and I did too. Sometimes, again, your consideration, your compassion, your love does things that uh, maybe I wouldn't do that. In your marriage, or if you're not married, you can apply this in, in some other directions. I just want you to think of what are some things you can do in your life uh, to, to find four things that you really appreciate about this other person in your life. Again, it could be your spouse, it could be another family member or a friend, but to find four things that, that you really appreciate about them and let them know that. And then find one thing that you can admit, I'm not doing this so well. I, I got this from Charles Swindoll's commentary on, on First Peter, and he says, don't get this backwards. Don't find four things to, to tell them that they're having a problem with, and here's the one thing that I'm doing well. No, four things that you appreciate about them, and one thing that you need to work on. And, and if you're struggling with this, find someone else that can help you. Someone that has gone through the, this road before, that can help you deal with it. And Maybe you've gone through the ups and downs of this. 
find someone to help out. We can look through our community and, and know that there are some that are hurting and struggling. And can we take a step towards them to say, hey, can I, can I help you walk through this? We're in this together. The theology that founds all of this is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. That he died for us and he offers a living hope. So this life here, this one we're living in these bodies, in these tents, it's temporary. We have a living hope that extends in the future. That we understand now the spirit is part of us now and we guarantees what's to come. But we look forward to what is to come. When Christ will come again and set everything to right but we're not there yet. And so we live this life together, finding and understanding the things we need to submit to as followers of the Lord Jesus. And what did Jesus do? What we talked about in communion. He came and laid himself down. The one who deserved the most respect, let it go on our behalf. And that's our model in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. Let's stand for closing prayer. <clears throat> Lord, sometimes your word is, is, is hard. A lot of times it's hard and difficult and we just as soon not look at it. But you call us to, to listen and to know who you are and what your heart is. And, and Lord, as we, as we ponder in our own lives how we live out what you've called us to, whether as, as wives or as husbands or, or just as followers of you. Lord, help our, us to focus on you, to, that our eyes might be looking at, towards you and our ears might be listening to what you're calling us to, that we might be faithful in all our relationships and in particular with our, our spouses. We need your help and your strength and uh, we ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.